0: The Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him. They observed that some of his disciples were eating bread with unclean, that is, unwashed, hands. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, keeping the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed. And there are many other customs they have received and keep, like the washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, and dining couches. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating bread with ceremonially unclean hands? He answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain teaching as doctrines, human commands. Abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human tradition. He also said to them, You have a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And, whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, If anyone tells his father or mother, Whatever benefit you might have received from me is carbon, that is, an offering devoted to God. You no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God by your tradition, that you have handed down, and you do many other similar things. Summoning the crowd again, he told them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. When he went into the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, Are you also as lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into the stomach, and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. He got up and departed from there to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, but he could not escape notice. Instead, immediately after hearing about him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she was asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, because it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she replied to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, Because of this reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. When she went back to her home, she found her child lying on the bed, and the demon was gone. Again leaving the region of Tyre, he went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, through the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had difficulty speaking, and begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. So he took him away from the crowd in private. After putting his fingers in the man's ears and spitting, he touched his tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed deeply and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak clearly. He ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more they proclaimed it. They were extremely astonished and said, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak.
1: How do you do? Good to see you. You guys are the church one percenters in Orange County today. Um, congratulations um, on getting out of bed and bearing. The blizzard, the storm that uh, keeps so many indoors today. Um, is it actually raining outside still? Can you hear it? Do we have any leaks? We're good. We're all right. Um, glad you guys are here. Um, uh, we're in week seven of a 16-week of a conversation that, as you know, we're going through um, the gospel of Mark, and this is Mark's a take his account of the life and ministry of Jesus. And, and, and so, you know, our goal, and as you know, um, as we repeated several times over the last several weeks, is pretty, pretty sh- simple and pretty straightforward. Our, our prayer as a, as a community and our prayer as a church is that our faith would... Built. Yes, Miles. Man, you are on fire today. <laughs> on fire. Um, and and come, come Easter Sunday... Um, that that we would that we would we would d- demonstrate more faith than we've ever had before. That we'd be able to look back at our life prior to that point, even up the point of where we started. Mark at the beginning of the year and be like, I'm I'm more infatuated with Jesus today than I've ever been. I'm more in love with Jesus today than I've ever been. Um, my eyes have been fixed on Jesus um, more times than they ever have. Like Jesus is um, impacting the way that I look at life. He's impacting the way that I look at others. And um, and so so that's that's our goal. That's, that's what we're up to. And I say it's simple and straightforward, but it's also deeply profound. And it obviously um, is something that there's always more for us to lean into and press into because, again, we're, none of us are perfect, right? Um, we need to be constantly reminded of this truth to, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And I just, I, I, I'm, I'm one that, that really does believe that is the antidote to Pretty much anything we may come into contact with in life that, that could derail our faith or anything is just eyes fixed, eyes gazed upon Jesus, that our eyes never depart from the left or to the right. This is the, this is the journey of discipleship. When you, when, you, when you meet someone who you would deem, that's somebody I want to be like, they, they, the way they love Jesus, the way they love their spouse, the way they parent, the way they live out their careers, whatever it is. Um, for someone that you would look up to that you would want to be like that follows Jesus in that way, I, I almost guarantee it. They've just learned um, uh, the discipline of being able to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. And I just believe that's that's possible for all of us. That's that's why we're here, right? Is, is to just take a moment to pause from all the crazy, all the chaos, all the distractions and be like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And that hopefully these practices that we do on Sunday will... Will transcend into your weeks, and so that to me is what that's what success looks like. That's the point of this community. Um, it's it's much more um, than just a Sunday gathering to me. Um, to me, I hope that this this time spent here really does um, impact your week in some way. All right, enough of that. Um, can I confess something to you? I know I say that in church, and was like, "Oh God." No, this is uh, being a dad. Being a dad is awesome. Have I told you that before? Um, how, can you tell that I feel that way? I hope you can. Um, the being, being a dad, um, for the moms in the room, being a mom, being a parent, being a parent is awesome. And for those of you that want to have kids someday or have that desire to have that someday, my, my, my hope and prayer for you is that you will experience the awesomeness of being a parent in some way. Whether you're a parent of a cat, a dog, an ant farm, whatever it is. Whatever it is that you are be a parent of. But being a dad, personally speaking, is, is awesome. But there's something that you should know. There's something that I've learned along the way that, that I would like to pass on to you. There's many things. But the first and highest priority to being a parent is this. You need to know it. You can't control your kids. can't do it. You, you, you may think you can. You can set up all these rules and have all these curfews. And, and spend the entire day that you have barking at your kids, telling them to go this way, not to go that way, and it could just develop this real interesting, chaotic, broken relationship of trying to tell your kids where to go and what to do, right? And one thing, the best thing you can do um, is come to the realization that your kid just wants to be independent. Um, your kid is unique, um, they look at life differently than you. Um, as much as you want to and have them be like you, they're just going to go their own way. And, and the quicker that we as parents can realize that our jobs aren't necessarily to control them, um, but, to, but to shepherd them, right? To, to be an example to them, but let them be themselves the better off. And I'm saying this because I'm awful at this. Um, very specifically, one of the things that, that I don't like and wish I um, could keep my kids from is playing in the dirt. I, I absolutely, as a kid, even today, I hate dirt. I hate it on my fingers, I hate it on my shoes, like regularly cleaning my shoes that are probably already clean. I even scrub the bottoms of my shoes because just dirt, I don't like dirt. Dirt is supposed to be on the ground, it's not supposed to be on people. And so, uh, uh, to me, the best thing to do is just keep dirt away and, and, and away from anything that I have, my cars, anything, right? But very quickly, my kids have broken that within me. And, and one of the, the strongest sources of disagreement Jesse and I will have and probably will continue to have all the way through life is dirt on our kids. I hate it. can't stand it. I feel like I'm better and I'm coming to this understanding that, that kids get dirty. And Jesse's always telling me, like, this is just how it is. Like, kids play, kids get dirty. How ridiculous is that? <laughs> like, what? Um, yeah, Just yesterday, I was working at Trader Joe's last night, and she's sending me pictures. She took the kids to the beach, um, and they're playing in the sand, and they're in their clothes. Because like, it's February, but it was 70-whatever. But, like, she's sending me pictures, and Wes is just covered in sand and I'm just like first thought oh my god he's gonna take all that in the car and like that's like I hope she brought a change of clothes and she's gonna like have this whole thing that happens before she even gets close to that car right and then and then I got in the shower last night and guess what I stepped on sand and I'm just like gosh isn't there some sort of middle ground here like kids can never never ever get get dirty right um and so so there's just that reality that I constantly live in, um, and it comes back to haunt me. And you know, even to the another degree, where I have one of my kids that will that will rename that will name uh, uh, I won't tell you who it is, it <laughs> likes to eat dirt. All right, and and to me, that's just like, oh my gosh. can we can we please figure out a different way? But but I just I just think there's a better way to live. That's it. Which is to never ever get dirty, right? And Jesse's quick to point out scripture. She goes to Genesis one and she talks about the dirt, and she like paraphrased it this way: God made dirt, so dirt don't hurt. And I'm like, is that your translation? <laughs> I won't argue with it at all, right? Right. But 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 in all serious, I'm coming around to this idea that yes, kids get dirty, and this is how it is. But what why I share that is, is that chapter seven is a chapter devoted to cleanliness, right? Jesus goes to a spiritual element of this, and, 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 he, and he basically comes at it from a spiritual perspective to say, in so many different ways, I'm, I'm not afraid of the filth. Like, I'm not afraid of people who, who you would deem unclean. Um, in fact, I want to have a relationship with people, although the religious would say, no, those, those people over there are filthy, right? They're broken, they've got diseases, they've got evil spirits, they come, to, they come to dinner without even washing their hands? What kind of person comes to dinner with dirty hands, with, with dirt under their nails? And Jesus says, my kind of people. The people that I want to be in relationship with. The people that, that I want to roll with. And so Jesus here basically is, is tackling and teaches a parable based on a tradition of cleanliness within the Orthodox Judaism. that goes all the way back to Leviticus 15. And he wants to confront, he uses that tradition to confront a wrong belief system that was misleading a lot of people within the Jewish community and, quite frankly, still misleading a lot of people with worldwide religions all around the world today, right? And so Jesus Jesus is saying that having... He's not saying that having bad hygiene is good. So Jesus is like not advocating that you shouldn't take showers. He's not, he's not saying that at all. I'd be missing the point. Everyone here should wash your hands. Everyone here should take showers, put deodorant on, right? We're not making a case for that. That's not the point. The point that Jesus is making here is much deeper than that. And Jesus is saying this. In your, up, in your effort to uphold the law of cleanliness, your belief system, and ultimately your faith practice has gotten so far off track. It's basically taken you down a completely different road and to live out a completely different faith than I want you to live. And, and Jesus sees a correcting that needs to take place. He almost sees a realigning in a sense of like, you know, trying to be a parent that like mentally parenting is like hurting cats, right? Where you, sometimes you're like, okay, you're moving that way, but just kind of just go this way a little bit, but keep moving in the direction you're moving. There's a car over there that will kill you. Stay on the sidewalk, Right? Be independent go but just the sidewalk is the path okay and this is almost what Jesus is doing with, with 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 the Jewish community here so what belief system is Jesus confronting that's an important question and I think it's this that God's acceptance of me is determined on uh, uh, on my behavior Jesus sees a religion that is largely based around this philosophy that like my behavior determines my acceptance. So if I'm bad, my relationship's been broken with God, right? If I'm good, then God is my cheerleader. He will bless me. He'll give me those promotions. Um, if, if those things aren't going well, it means that there's something in me that needs to be corrected. This is the, the largely what Orthodox Judaism taught, right? Right? If there's something wrong, if you're poor, if you're sick, if you're a widow, if you have kids who have diseases or um, leprosy, it's because you did something wrong. God's punishing you for that, right? And and it's not that they're necessarily just making these things up as they go. It's been traditions that have been passed down from parent, parent to parent to parent to parent to kids to kids, you name it, all the way back from Leviticus 15, and so, so they're not necessarily preaching this out loud, right? They don't have to. Jesus is seeing it through their actions. He's seeing it through their practice of faith, right? That if you want to come to worship in the temple, you must look and act like this. If you don't look and act like this, this is not the place for you. Been to a church like that? Heard of a church like that? Jesus has some strong words for places like that. Even if it's not an outspoken Church that says that, it's an ideology that is quite honestly still exists today, right? Look and act like this so that you can receive God or so that you can be accepted by God, or Jesus just wants to blow that whole ideology out of the water. And for good reason. Because no matter how much we're like, yeah, that doesn't seem right. I don't believe that to be true. Well, newsflash, we're all guilty into believing this every single day, aren't we? In many different areas. Hence, shame and guilt. You guys probably think Mike preaches about shame and guilt way too much. But because those two words specifically are faith killers in our culture today. It is the, it is, those, are, those are the primary ways that Satan wants to squash faith, right? And Jesus just wants to throw it all out and be like, duh, I know you're broken, <laughs> I already know this about you, but the cross fixed all that. It, it righted the ship a long time ago. So, so there's no reason to believe this lie anymore. There's no reason to believe since you did this this week that you can't even step face in a church. That you, can't, that you can't come to the body and just be, right? Jesus says those, those are the type of people that I'm drawn to. That's the type of culture that I want are people that just come recognize their need for me. So, so Jesus sees a group of people whose faith is rooted in, in living a clean life. How annoying is that, by the way? You ever seen like the perfect family to leave at The leave it to beaver? Like what, you're just like, what? How, how, how off-putting is that? And Jesus just comes and sees like them trying to live out this perfected life and he steps in and he says, your faith has nothing to do with what you do it has it's not even about that for jesus to be accepted by god has nothing to do with anything it's all about who you are it's all about being created in the image of god it's all just about accepting who jesus is and he says that's that's where it all begins it doesn't begin with your effort it doesn't begin with the things you did wrong it just starts with who you are you are my son you are my daughter. Did you know that if you never, wherever my Bible is, it's over there? Did you know that if you never read your Bible again, God would still love you? I'm serious. Yeah. If you never prayed again, God would still love you. If you never gave a cent to the church again, God would still love you. That if you never came and served at the family center, although I'd be disappointed. God would still love you, right? You've never practiced hospitality again, God would still love you? Not that we shouldn't live that way, right? But there's an understanding that Jesus wants to have with his people to understand that, that it's not about doing anything. It's just about a relationship with him. He loves you for who you are. He lo- not for what you do. Right, and and this is like one of our values. Maybe it's unspoken, but we talk about it all the time. This is this is the kind of community we we want to embody, right? Like, I don't I don't just want you around because of what you can do for this church. Like, I want you around for who you are. I want you around for the for the for just the person for the character. We just enjoy you being a part of this family. Like, you are an arm or a leg or a hand or whatever it is. Like. It's it's way bigger than just coming up here and leading worship for us. That's all all secondary, right? And and so so Jesus wants to kill any religiosity. Let's make it more practical. Use a better word. Any faith that says God's acceptance of me is determined by my behavior. None of you have ever said that. I've never said that, but I believe it. Honestly, it's something that I come back to every time. So if, if that's false... I think, what, I think what Jesus is wanting to communicate to us today is a very simple message that I hope really does cause you to sit with this for some time and that it really does impact your week a little bit is that there's really nothing, there's nothing that I could do for God to stop loving me. There's absolutely nothing. Like He, he loves me no matter what. Like He just loves me for, for who I am. And so Jesus, Jesus says, gosh, just know this is true. But in Jesus' brilliance, he knows that we're going to have a difficult time believing that. He knows that we're like, yeah. But then like we wake up tomorrow and we're right back at trying to earn acceptance from God, right? So he knows this is a tough pill to swallow. And he knows that we find our value and we find our worth in what we do, how people perceive us, Right? So Jesus presses in a little bit deeper to this and he wants to wake us up, right? And he wants us to be people who just find value and worth in him and him only. Not in your title, not in what your job is, not in the the way that how many people you trained this year or whatever it may be, right? He just wants you to find your value in who you are. So he says this in verse eight, he's talking to the Jewish community. This is still a fresh word today. Abandoning the command of God, he says. You hold on to human traditions. Strong words. Abandoning the command of God. And instead, you hold on to human traditions. Translation, Jesus is saying faith that seeks right behavior before God's commands is really no faith at all. It's just philosophy. It's just an ideology. It's something that's weak. It's something that has no foundation. It's something that will not bring you life. It's something that will cause your soul death, right? And hopelessness, despair, longings. Where he says, if you you put your faith in traditions, even if it's an outspoken tradition, you will, in fact, abandon any command that God has given. Wouldn't you rather? I'm just asking. Wouldn't you rather put your faith and, and put your faith in a place that God designed you to live in? Like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you rather live, live your life in a space, in an environment, in a reality, however you want to talk about it, where he designed you to be? Where the outcome is an abundant life, where an outcome is a life filled of hope, love, joy, peace. This is what Jesus designed us for the place that jesus said you will find rest in you'll just find it you'll wake up and you'll be like oh this is rest you don't have to go on a scavenger hunt for it you don't have to do anything to find it it's just a reality to live in and this is this is this is why jesus so much talks about the abundant life and this is the through line for so much of his teachings is he sees people living in despair. He sees people living in brokenness. And he's like, but do you just know you just need to come over here? Hurt a little bit off you this side. This is where you're gonna find abundance. This is where you're gonna find rest for your soul. This is where your heart's desire lies. This is what you were created for. Why are you choosing anything else? Do you know it's more work to choose that? You gotta break some bad habits, <laughs> But this is this is a more natural place for you to live. And so when Jesus tells the Pharisees that they've abandoned the commands of God, I think he's thinking about one specific passage that he often came back to time and time again. And it's Deuteronomy 6.5. Do you know this one? He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Jesus, this is like one of the three, like if, if, if you were sitting under the teachings of Jesus during this day, you know how like every pastor like loves to say the same thing over and over again. And you're like, gosh, didn't I didn't just preach this like three weeks ago. And we're like, you're actually paying attention. Okay, good. Like, I feel like this is this is like this is like the horse that Jesus decided just to like beat into the ground <laughs> over and over again to give you this strong picture, right? Like, was Deuteronomy 6.5, You just got to imagine. I almost imagine his disciples every time they hear. It, it's like, oh, here he goes again enough with Deuteronomy 6.5, all right? We get it, love God, yeah. But but Jesus says, and, and you know this, com- this commandment is, is is referred to as the great commandment, the greatest commandment, meaning it holds priority over any other law. It holds priority over any other tradition, even the 10 commandments, right? And so when Jesus says, You abandoned the commands of God. He is not talking about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were Jesus, or God knew, rather, excuse me, that they needed some more guidelines. They needed some more instruction because they weren't really getting the greatest commandment down. So he's like, all right, all right. right. Here's some better ways. Just step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, et cetera, et cetera, to actually love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, right? So when Jesus is talking about the great commandment, this is what he's coming to, love, love, The Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And so for Jesus, he summed up everything with this one. Everything he feels like. Your faith, your eternity, peace, abundance, rest, is all funneled right back here. The great commandment. And so with all the laws and with all the traditions that were in place within Orthodox Judaism then, and 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 what we would deem even today by the way when Jesus was speaking this and when he there was over 600 laws that orthodox Judaism was trying to maintain on a daily basis can you imagine the oppression can you imagine the despair and the hopelessness of never being enough gosh god i only i only fulfilled 400 today sorry like i'm just worthless I, 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 can't, I, never amount to my, I can never amount to the person you want me to be. This is literally the oppression that Jesus is facing during that day that is still there. I'm not enough. I'm broken. Everybody else has got this together. but Right? And so, so Jesus is looking at this, and for him, it all goes back to this greatest commandment. He just wants to simplify our faith a little bit. You know, being a dad like with my kids and you know that me wanting to control them and go this way, don't go that way, you got dirt on you. Jesse's just the constant reminder. Just stop overcomplicating parenthood. <laughs> just stop. Just let them be. Let them live. Let them live with a sense of adventure. Let them play. Right? Stop overcomplicating things. We do this with our faith. We overcomplicate the fact. And Jesus is so brilliant. His teachings are so fresh today because he always just comes back with these gentle, simple reminders. Hey, I appreciate your tradition. I appreciate your turning greets. I appreciate the way that you guys greet visitors. Your, hosp- your connection cards are brilliant. Right? Oh my gosh, I love the gate you put up to keep the kids safe. That's all good. But remember, like what we're doing here is more than that. I, if Jesus says, "Probably I'd rather you guys have Portola. You know, Portola's better than Hidden House." Just kidding. That was too. That was too much. That was too far. Sorry, Ben Briggs. But but Jesus is like, gosh, like I appreciate it. I appreciate the detail. But can we just, when you come together in my name, or when you're having your time with me, can you just remember what this is really all about? Just loving me. Just love me with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And and what I love about this reminder for Jesus and this simple correction is that within all the laws and with all the traditions that were going on, um, this great commandment um, had nothing to do with right behavior. It is not a plore to do this. This is this is what you do to love God, right? It's deeper than that, it's bigger than that, but rather what it is is full recognition of who God is. So it's it's not something that initiates right behavior, instead it's stepping back and recognition of the greatness of the magnificence of the glory of God. It's almost that again, the picture if you have ever gone on an amazing hike, whether you've gone to Peter's Canyon or you've been to um, mammoth, or, or you've been at those places, or you've been driving down the 405, and you see the sunset, and you have that moment of you're just like, oh my God, right? This is, this is the place that Jesus steps in, and this is who he is in our life. He demonstrates, and he shines a spot, spotlight on the glory of God, and, and the posture that he wants us to live in is just simply that, I love you. I, I, see, I see you everywhere. I can't, I can't walk away from you. I can't ignore you. You're, you're, t- you're making yourself known to me in so many different ways. And so this recognition, yes, ought to affect our behavior, right? But it's never, it's never behavior than recognition, right? And this is, this, is, this is the spin that so many people get caught up in. And so many different religions today are right behavior that leads to recognition, where Jesus is saying it's the other way around <laughs> know me he says my sheep know me they hear my voice and once they know me and hear my voice they listen and then they go where i tell them to go he's like you, you don't just i'm not just here just bossing you around <laughs> have a relationship with me and so recognition yes it does influence our behavior not the other way around but i just I just want to really encourage us to take heart to Jesus' um, subtle shift here on, on faith and the way, that, the way that we live for a moment and take to heart this idea that your behavior, your efforts, your status, your title at work, the amount of money you make, the little amount of money you make, the car you drive, the house you live in, or want to buy, does not impress God whatsoever. They impress me. Thanks. It, I, It just doesn't. It just doesn't impress him. I don't want to say he doesn't care, but he's not evaluating you based on your accomplishments. If if there is a word to Orange County Christians today, that might be it. What a sobering reminder. What What impresses Jesus? What is he looking at? He told us. Looking at your heart. Looking at what's inside right that that's the only thing he cares about we I mean can I just speak clearly? did you parked, you guys saw our homeless friends outside you probably you probably noticed them right? You know how easy it is for us to see them as we come in and this is confession for Mike time, right? Can you guys just get out of the way like we've got people coming in. <laughs> I don't want people to think less of us. This is a little awkward. I just wonder what Jesus would do with something like that. I just wonder how he would, yeah, like, Ben, we like, what was the, we like kicked a syringe out of the way, just like, just past 10 out there. Like, oh, geez, (laughs) you know, like, like not advocating saying that like this is okay or anything like that. I'm just saying, right, that God is just as much for them as he is for us us who have a car and have a house or anything like that god is not looking at any of this he's looking at our hearts and so he he not only wants us to live out of a place that way as well but he wants us to have relationship and see people that same way right it's not about the house you live in or the box you live in or the ground you sleep under the mattress you sleep on it's the heart where's your heart and then he goes on to identify some things that jesus is looking at behaviors in life do matter It does point to things. But above all of that, Jesus just says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I almost gave you a three point sermon on this, and I'm just like, I'm not going to do it today. I don't, I don't, Jesus didn't feel the need to define it. He didn't feel like, all right, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to give a six week series on what it looks like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Maybe I'm a bad pastor. But I think, well, what I think God wants to do more is just allow you to go into a space and enter into your journey and really ask yourself this one question, what does it mean for me to love God with all my heart, soul, and strength? What does that mean for you? It's all encompassing, right? It's not a compartmentalized faith. It's not a Sunday-only faith. It actually requires all of you. And that's the point that I think great commandment is coming down to this is why jesus is shining a spotlight on. i just don't want bits and pieces i want it all and so the the parts that the parts that you're leaving out or the parts that you think i don't care about or the parts that you are shameful about or the parts that you hate about yourself hey guess what those are actually the spaces that's the place that i want to be in the most leave your perfections over there (laughs) I, i i want i want you I want the places that, of your heart that you feel like you can't let anybody. That's what I want. This is why Jesus is so amazing. And it's in that space that Jesus comes to and that we see later on in one of the most sobering passages in Scripture, right? Where the parable is the separation of the sheep and the goat. You know that passage? One of the most terrifying passages in the Bible where he says, oh, oh, you thought you knew me. You did everything. You gave. You went to the temple. You prayed, right? You served a ton. But you didn't know me as you were doing I didn't even know who you were. Your heart was far from me. Your actions looked great. You looked the part. <laughs> you fooled everybody. But you didn't fool me. I didn't even know you. Depart from me. We're not onto it, right? If we're not in a place to actually realize, yeah, yeah, I can't earn God's love. And so, so I I share that not to be like to put an alert five on your faith, right? I say that just for us to just step back a little bit and to just live our lives in recognition of who God is. Have those have those subtle, simple moments where you see what God is up to, where you see Him in people that it's easy to overlook. Or you see him working in someone's life at your, at your work, right? And you're able to encourage and you're able to spur and build faith. Even in the most hopeless, darkest moments of your life, you're able to step back and give thanks and love God in those moments, okay? That's all I have for you. today. Um, and so what I wanna do and how we'll just end, Nathan will come up in just a moment. We're just gonna close with a song. And this song is all about just recognition, it's all about recognizing who God is. It's a song that really does call us into loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. And so I just want to um, um, invite us into that. If you don't mind standing, and um, let's just sing, and let's recognize God for who he is. And let's, let's just enter into that space together, and um, whatever it looks like for you this week, However it is that you can be reminded and however it is that you can have that just gentle, subtle reminder from the Holy Spirit to come in and correct a heart of effort to to correct a place of thinking that I have to earn God's acceptance subconsciously. But pay attention to that in yourself. It's going to be hard to see your faith being built if that's a place you resort to. Where Jesus just wants us to open our hands and step into the grace and praise Him it all does that sound good lord we thank you for this morning we thank you jesus that you are um our shepherd that you guide us that you lead us that you know us by name and lord we want to know you we want to know your voice we want to know what's from you and what's not from you and so lord as we sing god i pray that in this moment um that you would be recognized in our lives, that these words just wouldn't be um, things that we just kind of roll off our tongues, but they would actually be words that come from the heart, words that come from the soul, words that come from strength, that we're singing truth with whatever it is that we have going on in our lives. So, Lord, would you be recognized in full here? And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that, that what that what transpires here today would actually go with us this week. And it would shape our week. It would change our week. It would take us off a direction that's leading away from you, whether it's despair, brokenness, isolation, depression, anxiety, fear, pride. Whatever it may be, but it would just point us to you, Jesus. We want to know you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.